Word of Life Church exists to lead individuals to become faithful and effective followers of Jesus Christ. We hope that this week's message inspires you to take a next step in your faith. Maybe that's accepting Jesus for the first time, joining a group, joining a team, or being a part of Learn to Follow Jesus coaching, just to name a few. All of that can be found on our website. Head to www.wordoflifeag.org and tap next steps to get started. And hey, if you just accepted Jesus this week, I want to encourage you to click the connect button on that page. That's a great next step for you to get connected with our church and learn more about what following Jesus means. This week, we've got a special guest message from Pastor Joshua Chiz. Let's check it out. Amen. Good morning. It's great to be with you and uh, great to be with you here and certainly those who are online with us today. And I'm honored to fill in, honored to be called last minute. You know, we have a special COVID connection. Uh, I was scheduled to preach last year on March 15th, I believe. And if you remember, that was the first year the church, or the first week the church had to go remote because of COVID. Uh, so I was your first online person. And uh, I think I was one of the last ones before you went hybrid or opened back up. And here I am again. It's not the best connection to have. Uh, <laughs> But here we are. So um, with that, though, I am grateful for, for uh, Pastor Tom uh, trusting me to bring the word and, and calling upon me to do that. Uh, I'm grateful for the relationship we do have. As many of you know, I've been here uh, as a pastor for years and uh, grew up in this church. Uh, and you now continue to support me as a missionary. I'm a missionary to, uh, to first responders, to law enforcement officers, firefighters. And, and uh, you guys support me monthly, and so I'm grateful for that. Uh, I don't have my whole family here. I've got Jerry here with me. My wife is back at our home church serving in kids ministry. And so uh, she has the rest of the crew with her. But I want to take a moment and uh, just pray for Pastor Tom and in particular Megan and pray for the family. Let's do that right now. Heavenly Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of who you are. And among those truths, God, is that you are our healer. And so, God, we thank you for that. We recognize, God, that uh, there are a lot of different opinions about this whole COVID thing, but uh, we do recognize that it is a real sickness and, and, uh, and, and it can have a devastating impact on people. And so, Lord, whatever the situation is, with the Wood family, for those who are uh, not positive in, uh, in being tested, and certainly for those who are, and especially for Megan, God, we pray for both your healing and for your protection, God. And so, Lord, we pray that she would be restored to complete health. We pray for that, that uh, the rest would be symptom-free, and we pray for a stop to the spread of this virus, God. We love you, we praise you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So we got the, the COVID connection. Uh, we also have another connection. Uh, I, I don't usually do this when I preach, but we, we got another uh, special connection here. I, I understand that I've, I've shared my father with you all. You see, I've got, uh, you, I, I, some of you are familiar with this, this t-shirt, right? Uh, yeah, it, it, it's not a dad bod, it's a father figure. And I, I just want you to know he was my father figure first, all right? Uh, because he's my father. So I'm, I'm honored to have him as a father. I'm blessed with my parents and uh, grateful to be here with you all. We're going to jump into First, Ch First John. Why don't you open your Bibles to First John? It'll be up on the screen. Uh, we are going to... I know you've been in, the, in, the, in Luke and Acts, and we are going to dive into uh, the book of Luke for a little bit, Luke chapter 6. Uh, but I was asked to teach something 
uh, not too long ago, and when I was asked to teach this thing, uh, it, was, it was on this discipleship material called Learning to Follow, Learning to Follow Jesus. And this church, because they support me as well, they said, hey, would you, would you teach on this, um, this chapter called Learning to Love out of this discipleship material, Learning to Follow Jesus? And I said, absolutely. I said, is it the one by Dan McNaughton? They said, yes, it is. And I said, well, as a matter of fact, uh, he was my professor in college. I'm very familiar with the, the material. Uh, I remember talking with him about it before he even, he even wrote about it and uh, finished his book on it. And so uh, I was glad to be able to do that. And so uh, since then, God has put this word on my heart, and uh, I was really thrilled when Pastor Tom reached out to me because I felt like, you know what, uh, this is a word that I need to bring to Word of Life, and so I'm grateful to be able to do that. Uh, speaking of college professors, I had some college professors uh, back uh, in my college days. They were a husband and wife. I actually worked for the wife, and, uh, uh, but she was my Spanish professor. Her husband uh, taught Christian history, and he was my professor, and, and uh, he taught philosophy. And so I just, it, they became more than just professors. They became mentors in my life, people that uh, we really connected with. And, and we talked a lot about different things. And one of the things that, that we talked about, and I remember this ongoing debate that we had, uh, is they would say something like, you know what? You can love somebody, but you don't have to really like them, right? Some of you are like, yeah, absolutely. Some of you are like, no way, right? So, I, and it became a debate because I would say, well, wait a minute. Like, like is here, love is here. How can you be here if you're not here? You know, like you, you got to get to that. You got to, there's a, there's a, so we go back and forth. They say, well, you can love somebody and not like their actions, not like their behavior. And I say, well, all right, but you don't have to like their behavior to like them as a person, but you have to like them to love them, right? And so we'd go back and forth and I, I just, just for kicks just because this ongoing debate that we've had. I looked it up online and someone said, love is an unconditional emotion. I don't know about that, but uh, it, it should be unconditional. I don't know about an emotion though, but uh, while like is a more watered down version of love. And so if you go by this person, I'm definitely right, right? If like is a watered down version of love, then you absolutely need to like somebody to love somebody, right? But if you look at the definitions and you look at like, it says find them agreeable or enjoyable. And uh, if you go by that definition, then my professors are right, right? I mean, that you, can, you don't have to find somebody enjoyable to love them. I know plenty of people that aren't enjoyable. I'm not very enjoyable sometimes, and people love me. So it's just the reality, right? So then, then you look at the definition of love, and it says to feel deep affection for someone. Okay. But then it says, number two, like or enjoy very much. So if you're going to love them, you have to like them, right? So I'm correct in this. So, and then you look at the definition of dislike. Uh, it says to feel distaste or uh, distaste for or hostility toward. And I would say, you know what? I, I think I'm right in that, that regard too. So I, it's been 20 something years. I don't know. 20, I'm going to put you on the spot here. Uh, I'm going to take a poll here. How many of you would say that uh, you agree with my 20 year old idealistic immature self? You agree with me on this? 
Not, not too many. All right, how many of you agree with my professors on this? Uh, way too many of you. All right, well, thanks for settling this 25-year-old dilemma. I'm really grateful for that. Uh, obviously, I'm not concerned with that issue, uh, but I did want to talk about that because I do think it introduces our text for today and one of the challenges that arise out of it in this issue of learning to love. You see, there's lots of scripture about love. Luke talks about love. We're going to spend some time there. But what I stand by in my thoughts from 25 years ago, 25 plus years ago, I'm getting old, is that when we dislike or don't like someone, there is a tension with how we learn to love them, right? When we have trouble with, with one another, there is a tension with how we learn to love them. Because when we dislike someone or don't like someone, just natural is that we would operate more out of our dislike or not liking than we would out of love, right? And so there's a tension in growing to learn to love. And, and John teaches us a few things about this in the book of First John. In this book, the opponents are, are castigated for failing to observe the commandment of love. And so John is talking about this, and, and, and this is called an epistle. It's called a letter. Uh, it's among the letters of John, uh, but it's actually not believed to be a letter. It's believed that he was, this was a sermon, perhaps, that he went around preaching to the churches of the time. And as I was reading this text, I felt like, you know what, this is a, this is a message that I believe John would certainly be able to preach today. That in this hyper-partisan time we are, we're, our culture is in such a, such a time where we are just at odds with one another and, and we view things so differently and we have such trouble talking about our differences and where we disagree and, and we struggle with that. And I would say, you know what, it would be wonderful if I could say, uh, you know, that's the world and they have trouble, but at times so often the church seems to have the same struggle. And so John says this in 1 John chapter 4, verse 7. He says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. And he says, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to, for the third time, love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And so I want to start, I want to go through just a few takeaways out of this text and uh, a, a couple principles that I see in here and then some takeaways out of this. Uh, I'm going to start with the most basic and this should be the easiest for us, but I don't think it always works out that way. And it's, it's the thing that he repeated, I think three times just in that scripture there is, is that we need to love one another. So the first point is this, love one another. If you're taking notes, write this down, love one another. I, I preach at a prison every week and I tell the guys this, I say, I say, uh, if you're taking notes, write this down. And then I say, if you're not taking notes, write this down. All right. Love one another. All right. We need to love one another. How many of you guys have met a Christian who is, uh, who is just awkward? 
they're, they're just, you can raise your hand. No, don't, don't point. Don't point to anybody. All right, just, just, just raise your hand. All right, we've met some awkward Christians. Uh, they're just awkward because, right? Let me just say this. If you didn't raise your hand, you don't know an awkward Christian, you might be the awkward Christian. All right, I'm just saying that. Uh, but um, we all know people who are just a little awkward, right? They're, they're tough to like. They're tough to, they're tough to get along with. They're tough to be in relationship with. Um, perhaps it's something more significant, right? It's not about awkwardness or, or discomfort. It's, it's, you, you have trouble liking them because there's some serious issues that you disagree with, right? Or perhaps they're just, they, they, their, their views on things grate on you, right? Uh, I, I just would say this, that this person, regardless of their views, is your brother and your sister in Christ. And over and over and over and over and over and over again, the word of God tells us to love one another. John 13 says, a new command I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And then he says these words, and I want to challenge you with these words because I don't know if we apply them to our lives uh, enough as believers and as the church of Christ. He says, by this, in other words, by your love for one another, Everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so what does that look like for us? What, how, does, how does the world see our love for one another? And I would say that the easiest way the world sees that right now, unfortunately at times, is on social media, right? And I would say it, the love for one another is not always on display uh, to each other, right? And so the world isn't necessarily witnessing that. Or uh, how, do, how else does it apply? I don't know. Maybe it applies for you with the, with the conversations after church. Maybe, it, maybe it's, it applies to you after you have a disagreement uh, about whatever, whatever the issue is. Maybe it's a tension that you have with a brother or sister in Christ and and. and and it's how you navigate that, that this gets to be applied. And so the takeaway for this point, the takeaway is that loving one another shows the world that we belong to Jesus. That's what the message, that's what this word teaches us, right? Loving one another shows the world that we belong to Jesus. This is the greatest evangelism tool is that we would love one another because it's clear to them that we're his disciples. Uh, I'm, I'm blessed. Years ago, I, um, I was, as I was pastoring, and, and, uh, pastoring in Auburn, and I was also a chaplain. I still am chaplain for the fire department. And uh, one day, I, I rode up on my motorcycle to the, to the fire hall, and a couple of the guys uh, said, we didn't know your road. And I said, yeah, I do. And they said, well, we have a firefighter's MC. We'd, lo- we'd, love, uh, we'd love a chaplain for the motorcycle club. I said, absolutely. So I, I, I jumped in and became, I, so I, I'm an MC guy. You know, I'm a motorcycle club guy. And I've been a chaplain for them ever since. And I was pastoring at the same time. And one of the things that I did was I began to observe and kind of take notice uh, of, of, some of the some of the differences with how things operate in the motorcycle club world versus the church. As you can imagine, there's a few differences. Uh, but... Uh, one of the things that was intriguing was actually with how we dealt with one another. And uh, one of the things that I saw is that in the MC world, that navigating tensions and difficulties with one another uh, is actually sometimes 
more Christ-like in the MC than I see in the church. Let me, let me give you some examples. You see, as, a, as in the motorcycle club, it was interesting getting to learn and get involved with this, but I remember comparing and contrasting these approaches, right? In the motorcycle club, if you have an issue with somebody, you bring it to that individual, well, that sounds like something Jesus said, right? You, if you have a problem with someone, you bring it to that individual. If you can't resolve that, then you bring it to the table at the monthly meeting, right? And you, would, and, and you resolve it, we'll resolve it together. And, and I thought, well, that, that definitely sounds like Jesus too, right? And, and, and if, if you, once you resolve it at the table, when you walk away from the table, it's done. We're, not, we're done with it, right? We're not bringing it back up. It's not an issue that we're going to raise up, right? It, it's, it's a done issue. Uh, uh, some of the other things that you see in the MC world, when you, when you disagree, uh, whatever the decision is, we're going we're gonna to work together to support it, right? We're going to move forward together with that. Uh, another thing is we respect one another regardless of the differences, right? I'm certainly different uh, in my life than a lot of the people in the MC world, but I'm respected, I respect them, and it goes back and forth and you know we've always got each other's backs and and so I was looking at this and I'm saying you know I see this in the MC world sometimes more than I see it in the church and that that's a problem loving one another loving one another shows the world that we belong to Jesus you see I know I know they wear vests and we wear vests around when we're when we're riding but uh and, and so that shows the world that we're an MC but but Jesus says hey you don't need to wear a vest as, as brothers and sisters in Christ, you need to love one another because that will be the evidence. The second thing I want to talk about is this. Jesus teaches us, John teaches us, we need to love our enemies. We need to love our enemies. That's point number two. Love, love, love one another is number one. Love our enemies is number two. And I know some of you are like, Josh, we were teaching you this when you were little in Sunday school, all right? This is, I, 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 we know this. We understand it, right? And I know, I know you get it. I know you understand it. My question is this. How are we doing at living it? How are we doing? I know you've known it. Like you were taught, if you were in Sunday school, you were taught it as a kid. But my question is, how are you living it? Loving your enemies. Learning to love. It's one thing, it's one thing to know that we need to love our enemies. It's another thing to, to go through the process of learning to love our enemies. Matthew chapter 5 verse 43, it says, You have heard that it was said, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. As I was preparing this message, I thought, well, loving our enemies often looks like forgiveness. Right? When you think about uh, what it is to love our enemies, I, I think oftentimes how that's manifest, how that's displayed is with forgiveness. And uh, how many of you remember a shooting in Pennsylvania, the Amish school, uh, back in 2006? How many of you recall that? Uh, yeah, there's this, this person, and I don't usually uh, say their name, but uh, I, I'm going to read it a couple times. This, this, this guy by the last name of Roberts went in, and he took hostages, and uh, it, was in, uh, it was in Amish, little school, Amish school in uh, Nickel Mines, uh, Bart Township of Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And he went in, he took, uh, took hostages and shot eight out of ten girls, ages six through 13, killing five of them before dying by suicide in the schoolhouse. 
And let me just read this. It says, on the day of the, on the, day of the shooting, a grandfather of one of the, the murdered Amish girls was heard warning some young relatives not to hate the killer, saying, we must not think evil of this man. Another Amish father noted he had a mother and a wife and a soul, and now he's standing before a just God. Jack Meyer, a member of the Brethren community living near the Amish in Lancaster County, explained, I don't think there's anybody here that wants to do anything but forgive and not only reach out to those who have suffered a loss in that way, but to reach out to the family of the man who committed these acts. A Roberts family spokesman said that an Amish neighbor comforted the Roberts family hours after the shooting and extended forgiveness to them. Amish community members visited and comforted Robert's widow, parents, and parents-in-law. One Amish man held Robert's sobbing father in his arms, reportedly for as long as an hour to comfort him. The Amish have set up a charitable fund for the family, the Roberts family. Marie Roberts wrote an open letter to her Amish neighbors thanking them for their forgiveness grace and mercy. She wrote these words. She said, your love for our family has helped to provide the healing we so desperately need. The gifts you've given have touched our hearts in a way no words can describe. Your compassion has reached beyond our family, beyond our community, and is changing our world. And for this, we sincerely thank you. They were actually criticized for their, their ex- extension of love and forgiveness, uh, argue, people arguing that forgiveness was inappropriate when no remorse was expressed. And I thought that was interesting because I think that's one of the things that we struggle with when we, ha- when we, when we have someone who has wronged us or hurt us. We struggle with, with it because no remorse perhaps has, has been expressed. And somebody noted that letting go of grudges is a deeply rooted value in the culture and explained that uh, the Amish willingness to forgo vengeance does not undo the tragedy or pardon or the wrong, but rather constitutes a first step toward a future that is more hopeful. And it's the same thing for every one of us, right? You want hope in your future, right? That what happens is somebody has wronged you or hurt you, done something to you. You view them almost as an enemy to you. And, and what happens is you get bound up. They're not bound up by it, right? You are. And you want hope for your future. The first step is forgiveness. And I, I love this. Uh, this is the takeaway for, for loving our enemies. Loving your enemies Let me start back with number one. Loving one another shows the world that we belong to Jesus. Number two, loving your enemies shows them what it is like to belong to Jesus. Because you know what? Your enemy needs Jesus too. The person who has wronged you and hurt you needs Jesus too. Luke chapter 6, I told you we'd get there. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them without expecting anything back, and then your reward will be great. He is, the Lord is kind and grateful, kind to the ungrateful and to the wicked. I learned this early on uh, when I was, since we're talking college stories, I'll, I'll share another one. I was in, in, my, uh, in my college, and uh, I would go to the mess hall, the cafeteria, and uh, as you can see, I enjoy mess halls and cafeterias. And so I, um, I, w- I would go there and, and get food, and there was this cafeteria lady, right, this, this, this worker that, who was contracted to, to do the food. I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden one day, she just was, maybe she was like this with everybody 
anybody, but man, she was just vicious to me. Like I would ask for food and she'd give me attitude. And I, you know, I, I don't know what the deal was. I don't know if I did something. I said something. I looked at her the wrong way. I have no idea what it was, but it, it was to the point where I would avoid her. You know, I, I'm just not, it's not even worth going there. Right. And so I would avoid her. And, uh, and, and one day I was doing an event. I was working at the college. We were doing an event and it was a catered event. And I was part of the process of setting up and preparing and leading this event. And guess who was the one working the catering of the event, right? This lady. So I get to stand side by side, work hand in hand with her the entire night. And, and this was one of the things that God was working on me on. And, and uh, I, I just, I said, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to show love to her. I'm going to, I'm going to pour love out on her. And I did. I just was as nice as could be. I just showed her love. I, and I'll tell you what, her, her attitude and mood began to shift through the night. And by the end of the night, uh, she was she was sharing with me stuff that was going on in her life. Uh, she it, we it was never I never had a bad encounter with her again. And and it was you know it was this result of of showing love to her. And I'll just say this, you know what I understand that you and I have dealt with a lot worse than mean lunch ladies, all right? Uh, you've had some, some, some things happen to you that's a lot worse than a mean lunch lady. And I have as well. And, but I use that experience in my mind as a reference point because I will always try to show love to those who have wronged me or hurt me or actually are continuing to try to wrong me or hurt me. And I can't say that I've always been successful in it, right? I can't say that I've always done well with it, but I want to challenge you, just like I challenge myself, to, to continue to try to show love to each and every person who has wronged you and hurt you. Because loving your enemies shows them what it is like to belong to Jesus. I was, uh, Jerry was with me uh, when I did the, the teaching at this first church that asked me to uh, to do this teaching, and um, I talked about forgiveness, and uh, he, he came up to me after and began to ask me questions about it, and some of you know his story, some of you don't. He went through um, a very difficult thing that put him into foster care, and it ultimately put him in our home to become our son, and, um, and long story short, his dad was tortured and murdered, and he was there and escaped, and um, found his way ultimately into, into our home by God's provision and grace. And um, he, was, he just came to me. He said, Dad, I, I heard what you said. And he said, I, I don't know that I can do it. I don't know that I can forgive the guys who, who, who killed my dad. And I said, Jerry, I understand. And it's not an easy thing. And I, I understand that. And so we've just had this journey since then. And so I say that to say it's, it is a journey. It's a process, right? And there's no clear picture of what forgiveness looks like. There's no clear picture of what loving your enemy ultimately looks like. But I just want to challenge you, like my son is, to continue to push forward on that journey. Forgive and love your enemies because it shows them what it is like to belong to Jesus. The third point is this, and we'll wrap it up pretty quick. The third point is love the unlovable. 
We need to love the unlovable. We need to love one another. We need to love our enemies, and we need to love the unlovable. And there are different examples of this. This could be anybody. It might be your enemy. It might be somebody else, right? It could be, it could be somebody on the street. It could be somebody uh, with opposing, dare I say it, political views, right? Uh, uh, it could be somebody uh, who uh, just you completely disagree with. It could be somebody who lives a lifestyle that you completely disagree with. I don't know what the issue is, right? I don't know who you would qualify as unlovable, but Christ calls us to love the unlovable. For me, I'll just be honest and transparent. For me, uh, one of those categories of people that I would struggle with is, and I'll just be sensitive, uh, is those who who do things to, to children, uh, you, you don't have to know me very long or my wife very long to know that we just, we love kids. We love our own six boys, and uh, we've always, she's always been involved with kids' ministry. I've always supported and helped her as much as I can. We, we love kids. We love kids. And it just grieves my heart that anyone would do anything to harm a child. And, and, and there's been some specific things about children uh, that you, you, you know where I'm going with this, right? And when, uh, when those people, those who do things to children get caught and end up in prison, here's an interesting thing. I'm a prison chaplain, and I, and I have uh, what's considered a congregation, a Christian fellowship, and they show up every week, and they show up at services, and they're a part of the, the fellowship and the congregation, and they, we worship, and I preach, and the whole deal. And in the prison, uh, there is a, a hierarchy, right? And you may not understand that, but there's actually a hierarchy of crime. It's not official, but, you know, there are certain crimes that are, are, are worse than others. And, and those who have done things to children, you could imagine, is at the bottom of the level of, of crime, right? And so people who do thing, have done things to children are even at risk in the prison. And guess where they find solace? And guess where they find comfort? And guess where they find acceptance? And guess where they find a sense of protection and security and love? With the Christians, right? As they should. As they should. And so each and every week, each and every week, I'm, I'm, uh, I've got those who have done things to children that are, are, are worshiping alongside of me and are hearing the word that I'm preaching and hearing the truth of the gospel. And lives are being changed and lives are being transformed. And, and I just remember God kind of saying to me, you know, tapping on my shoulder, it seems, saying, so, so Josh, who were who you saying is unlovable? Who are you saying is unlovable? And I, listen, I, I'm not justifying anything that's been done. My point is, you may have a viewpoint of somebody who seems unlovable. And I would just say, you know what? In my sin, I was unlovable. In your sin, you were unlovable. And it's only by the grace of Christ, it's only by the work that he did on that cross that we could be loved and accepted and made a part of his family. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. Because of his love for us, he is, he is our source of love, John teaches us. And John makes a bold statement that our love for others is sourced by his love love for us.
It's the evidence that we're born of God. So here's the takeaway. Here's the takeaway. Loving the unlovable reveals the miracle of a love for those who don't deserve it. Loving the unlovable reveals the miracle of a love for those who don't deserve it. And I'll say this, just close off this point with this, is I think sometimes uh, the most unlovable that we're dealing with is ourselves. Because we know our junk, right? We know what we've done. We know who we are. Uh, we, we see ourselves behind the curtain, so to speak. And so I would just challenge you that if you're, you've had trouble accepting God's love, that you would recognize that you are one of the ones that you may feel unlovable, but God's love is extended to you as well, and it reveals the miracle of a love for those who don't deserve it. The last point is this, and we'll close off with this, is that we need to love the one who loved us first. Love the one who loved you first. And I'm going to skip most of the scripture, but I'm just going to say, uh, uh, end of 1 John 4, 19, we love because he first loved us. And my challenge to you today is that you would fall in love with Jesus again. That if you, if you, whatever your journey is, right, if you've never uh, considered yourself one who has been in a love relationship with our Lord and Savior, that you would take that step today. And maybe at one point you did and you've kind of fallen away. We, there was a word given at the end of worship about kind of falling away and, and sliding away from that. And, and if that's you, that you would take that step to fall in love with Jesus again. I remember the, um, when I was growing up, the, the, you know, this, this text in Scripture uh, where Jesus talked about, um, uh, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I'll just say, for me growing up, uh, this, was, uh, this was something that I would always kind of look at, look at it as um, the obedience is proof that I love. And so I would start with obedience rather than start with love. I would try to obey rather than focus on loving him. And I realized as I got older that it's the other way around, right? That when we, when we love him and recognize his love for us, obedience and a life honoring him is the byproduct of that. And so I just want to encourage you, fall in love with the one who loved you first. This is the foundation. The, the takeaway is this. Loving Jesus aligns our hearts with his. Loving Jesus aligns our hearts with his. Fall in love with Jesus. Many of you have, uh, are familiar with what has been deemed and dubbed as the, the love chapter. 1 Corinthians 13, right? You know it, the love chapter. Uh, it's often read in weddings because there's beautiful language about love. As a matter of fact, I just did two weddings uh, in, the, in, in the last month and a half, and uh, I read this text in both weddings, right? It's a beautiful text for weddings. But when you think about the original context, it's kind of funny that we read this scripture in weddings because I, maybe you don't realize it. You, you, you might recognize, you'll recognize it probably when I read it as the love chapter. Uh, but this was written really about conflict resolution. 
This was written by Paul as a text to say, hey, you are struggling in this area. It's tucked, 1 Corinthians 13, as you might imagine, is between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, right? And so here it is. And so 1 Corinthians 12 is a, is a whole thing about spiritual gifts, which the, the Corinthians were kind of struggling with how they were operating in spiritual gifts. What they were struggling with was how they were viewing one another and how they were operating as a body. And this is not an insinuation that, that you are struggling with this. I'm just highlighting the fact that this is, a, this is a reality that we struggle with relationships sometime. And 1 Corinthians 12 and 14 identifies that. And tucked right in the middle is this text about loving one another. And he says these words. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men or angels but do not have love, I'm a, only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. He says, if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have the faith that can move mountains, but I don't have love, I am nothing. If I give all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And at the end of the text, he says, and now these, th these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. It's a simple message. It's a simple word today. But I just want to challenge you to be honest with yourself about how you're doing and learning to love and live it out and show it to one another. Show it to the world around you. Show it to those who have wronged you and hurt you. Show it to those who have seemed unlovable to you. And ultimately to give it and receive it to and from the one who loved you first. Loving one another shows the world that we belong to Jesus. Loving your enemies shows them what it is like to belong to Jesus. Loving the unlovable reveals the miracle of a love for those who don't deserve it. And loving Jesus aligns our hearts with his. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we do love you. And we thank you for your love for us. God, we thank you that over and over again in your word, you express your love for us. And God, we thank you that over and over again, you call us to love. And with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond. Perhaps uh, one of these points and perhaps multiple of these things uh, related to you, spoke to you. God is speaking to your heart about your love. Maybe it's just simple that you just, you just, you recognize, you know what? I just haven't been showing it and I need to show, I need to show love. You know what? My heart has become a little, a little calloused over what I've seen over my life or over the last year and a half or whatever the issue is, right? And, and, and I need to show love. I, if that's you, awesome, awesome. But perhaps you're here today and you'd say, uh, you know what? I, there are, there are people. There are brothers and sisters in Christ that I have struggled with loving them. And you're just being honest about it. I encourage you to, to respond today. Maybe you're one of the ones that I talked about that you have someone in your life who has wronged you, who has hurt you, 
and maybe they, they continue to. And so as I talked about loving your enemy and as I talked about forgiveness, you say, yeah, man, it's a struggle, it's a journey, but I need to take that step today. Maybe there's someone that you identify as unlovable and God is calling you to show love to them. And maybe today, maybe today you have struggled to accept God's love for you. And I want to challenge you and encourage you to not only accept it, but to return that love with your own love, that you'd fall in love with Jesus. Perhaps, again, you're someone who you, you loved Jesus at one point, but you fell away, you walked away, and you, you recognize you, you need to fall in love with him again. Perhaps you're in this place today and you know what, some of these things are, are, are hitting your heart and you, and you feel like God is, is speaking to you or is drawing you to him. And I would say any one of these points, the foundation of this is the last point that you would fall in love with Jesus. That the best way that we love one another, the best way that we love our enemies, the best way we love the unlovable is by falling in love with Jesus again. And so I would challenge you and encourage you to accept his love, the work that he did on the cross. And so if that's you today, any one of these points, if that's you today, you need to love one another, you need to love your enemy, you need to love the unlovable, or today you need to give your life over to him and accept his love for you. If that's you, uh, no no eyes, no, just, just raise your hand. Just say, Pastor Josh, that's me. I need to do that today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for these hands that have been raised. I pray for every heart that has been challenged, God, including my own. That, God, we would love, that we would walk in obedience to love, oh God. And that our love for you would produce obedience. For those, God, today who have uh, taken the step to say, I need to give my heart and life to you. I'm just going to pray a prayer. Just make this prayer your own. Lord, I, I recognize my need for you. I recognize today that you love me and you sent your son to die for me. I recognize today, God, that I am among the unlovable in my sin. And so today, God, I receive your love for me because of your grace and because of your forgiveness, because of what your son Jesus did by dying on that cross for my sins. God, I'm, I'm, I'm acceptable to you. I am loved by you. I'm received by you. And so, Lord, today I ask you to be my Savior. I ask you to be my Lord. Redeem me, save me, change me, transform me, oh God. Thank you. And I praise you and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message. Join the conversation happening on social media. We're having weekly discussions together about the messages, and we're diving into a weekly reading plan together. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook to be a part of all of that. And for next steps and more, check out our website. That's www.wordoflifeag.org. We'll see you next week.